This podcast is sponsored by Cloud Optimizer. As a business owner or IT manager, are your cloud investment costs going up and you don't know why? It's time for Cloud Optimizer. As you migrate your business to the cloud, what you're spending and why you're spending it can get a little hazy. But Cloud Optimizer clears up the mystery and puts the cloud to work for you. Cloud Optimizer starts by analyzing usage patterns, right-sizing resources, leveraging discounts you may not be aware of, implementing automation, and much more. And by reducing unnecessary expenses and maximizing performance, Cloud Optimizer guarantees you a savings of five times what you spend for their service. As you utilize cloud-based services more and more, you don't have to lose sight or control of your spend. You can stay agile, streamline your costs, and optimize your performance, plus save significant money with Cloud Optimizer. Make the cloud work for you with Cloud Optimizer. Get a free assessment and find out how much you can save by going to cloudoptimizer.com. Go to cloudoptimizer.com for your free assessment. That's cloudoptimizer.com. You're listening to Mile High Report Radio with your hosts, Adam Malnati and Ian St. Clair. Get involved with the Denver Broncos conversation at milehighreport.com. And now, it's time to get to work. Welcome back to the Mile High Report Radio Podcast. After a little bit of a delay because of computer problems with with Adam. Whoops. We have to ask the question. Adam. Yeah. Has Vance Joseph been fired yet? No, uh, no, not yet. I, I mean, I, I, I checked Why? Twitter. I've, does anybody have the answer to that question? I don't think even Vance Joseph could tell you why he hasn't. If you said, hey, Vance, why haven't you been fired yet? He wouldn't have an answer to that. He'd say something about good practice or leader of men or I don't know how he wants more. Or so, I don't know, but it, it, he wouldn't have an answer for it either, so... I have no answer for you. We've come accustomed to knowing that Vance Joseph brings forth bad accomplishments for this organization. But here's another one. Vance Joseph has somehow been the coach of the Broncos for 655 days. He has never won a road game on a Sunday as the Broncos head coach. What is it? So we decided that's 12 games, right? So in, in 12 road games for as the Denver Broncos head coach, if they don't play on a Sunday, he's undefeated. Is that Am I correct in saying that? Or have they lost some others on the road? Correct. On, on a because day? under Vance Joseph, they've played two road games on a Thursday night against the Colts and then against... The Arizona Cardinals. Undefeated. So what what Vance Joseph really needs to do is he needs to lobby the NFL and convince them that the Denver Broncos should only play their road games on Thursday nights. And then they have to play teams that are as bad as the Indianapolis Colts were in 2017 and then the Arizona Cardinals in 2018. That will ensure that they win on the road. Right. It's it's all about an insurance policy. You know, it's funny because you mentioned the, the Cardinals, and we talked about that being a desert mirage. We jumped on that particular 
um, metaphor, which how could you not? And um, I, I think it's really interesting. One of the things that you see is really just how bad the Cardinals are. This really is an indication of how bad the Cardinals are. Not that we're a Cardinals podcast, but what the Broncos did to the Cardinals was unfair. What what they what they did against the Chiefs was baffling, right? The Broncos have figured out a way to confuse us as fans by their inability to use the abilities that they have to actually be successful. And it's it's one of the most frustrating things that's going on right now as a fan. If you're if you're in Broncos country, you're frustrated not because this team is terrible, but because this team actually has some talent on it. This team has some players that should be I don't know that that are good, but they cannot find a way to win in games that really they could have won this game. They could have beaten the Chiefs. But we've said that for the last two years. And that goes back to one of the losers I have in my winner's losers that I do after every game. And Vance Joseph is a loser. And as I asked, at what point is enough enough? Stop delaying the inevitable and fire Joseph. Make the switch to Tom McMahon, who has coordinated the only unit for the Broncos that has been consistent. Bring what McMahon has done for the special teams to the whole team. I, I mean, they got nothing. To, they got nothing left to lose at this point because they continue to lose. Absolutely, you'll get no argument from me on that. And um, as as much as we are done with Vance Joseph, we're also done with with Bill Musgrave too. I mean, to just just completely done with him. I know he's one of the losers in your article as well, and he's he's my big takeaway from this game. His inability to to call plays that will be successful on a football field with the talent that he has 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 really put not just me, but I think most fans, they've put us in a position of frustration where you see him do these things, you watch the offense operate, and there are things that they do really, really well. Even with the, all of the flaws of the offensive line and, and Case Keenum being a bad quarterback, and I feel very comfortable in saying that, even with all of those issues, there are some things that they do very well that for whatever reason, Bill Musgrave refuses to do. And so I, and I think that that comes from the leadership of Vance Joseph, who allows him to be a moron as a coordinator. If I was Vance Joseph, I'd rip that headset off of his head and tell him he wasn't calling plays anymore because he's not good at it. And and I'll give you the, the prime example to me from the game that I think shows how poor he is at calling plays as an offensive coordinator. Third and two, driving, in field goal range, because McManus has a good leg. He runs a, a an end around or whatever to... Um, to Emmanuel Sanders. Instead of just going up the middle and, go, and trying to get two yards with your two running backs that are averaging five yards a carry and almost nine yards a carry, you're going to run it end around with your wide receiver, and they lose six yards. So now, instead of even fourth and two, kicking a 49-yard field goal, it's fourth and eight or fourth and six or whatever it was, and you're kicking a 55-yard field goal. It costs the team points. You watch that field goal. Brandon McManus kicks it, and it drifts, right? It fades. But 
If he'd been kicking from five yards closer, it would have faded just inside the pole. Just inside the upright. And instead, Chiefs take it the other way. I mean, <laughs> that's a prime example of a, an offensive play caller who does not understand the strengths of his own football team. I'll give you two more examples. Thank goodness. As I said in my winners losers about Musgrave, speaking of enough is enough, Denver's offensive coordinator had his moments, but he just can't help himself. Musgrave wants this offense to do things it's not good at. Here's the first example. On first and goal from the eight-yard line, Musgrave calls two passes and a draw. He got bailed out on fourth down, but that is horrendous play calling. Then Musgrave calls a flea flicker. As Benjamin Albright said on Twitter, our running backs have gone 27 carries for 173 yards. Let's throw a flea flicker to the wide side of the field with our average arm QB and some swing passes. I, I, I mean, I said, speaking of enough is enough. And what, what I still can't wrap my head around is Bill Musgrave has said that he knows his offense is a smash-mouth power football team. So he has to be going to these Vance Joseph Football 101 sessions on Fridays. I think he's passing with, with flying colors, but only because Vance Joseph's course is in how to lose football games, Football 101. I think... I think it's the wrong it's the wrong class. No, it's there's there's something infuriating about knowing that you have a recipe for success, right? You have the ability to 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 win games or at least be effective on offense and you refuse to do it. And and it's it's it really is mind-boggling. You have could you imagine in 1997 or 1998 with Terrell Davis in the backfield, John Elway not just turning around and handing it off to him and allowing him to carry the team and then using that to get into play action and using that to, to get outside of the pocket, that's where Case Keenum is successful. He's not a good quarterback, but he's successful when he's using play action and when he's outside the pocket and when he's rolling to his right. And instead of doing those things, instead of putting him in a position to succeed by running the football and running the football and then throwing in play action, the, the flea flicker. Why? For what purpose? An end around on third and two, when really all you need to do is hand the ball to Phillip Lindsay because he gets five yards every time he touches the football. It's not that hard. And it's, 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 it's crazy, right? Isn't that what we always say? Doing the same thing over and over again and expecting different results is the definition of insanity? Here we are. I feel like I'm wearing that the hat. I'm the Mad Hatter. That's, I, I, that's the only thing I can think. Well, and that's why Philip Lindsay is, yet again, one of my winners. He was his typical self. And this time he did it as the lead back. Lindsay finished with 18 carries for 95 yards and a touchdown. He needed to have seven more carries at least. Yeah. But at the very least, it's so much fun to watch Lindsay carry the ball and play the game. You can tell how much he loves this. Week in and week out, he's on this list and someone whom fans can be proud of. And the other one on that list who's consistently on this list is Cortland Sutton. 
He just continues to impress and do his job. And the Broncos receiver needs more chances and touches in this offense. I've said it before. Musgrave needs to call three to five deep 50-50 balls for Sutton since he always seems to come down with them or get pass interference calls. The opportunities are there. You know, the other winner that I think we could talk about in this game is Devontae Booker. Nine rushes for 78 yards. He averaged 8.7 yards a carry. Devontae Booker was actually effective in this game. He had a positive impact. And I, I know we sort of bag on him a little bit. I think uh, some of the MHR guys like, you know, Sad and Scotty are not high on, on Devontae Booker. But he came out and was successful against a, what I would consider to be a bad Kansas City defense. It's it's just another it's just another piece of evidence that shows you that this coaching staff does not know how to put his to put their players in a position to be successful. Or or even worse than that, they do put them in a position to be successful and then they sort of pull the rug out from under them by throwing in these cutesy plays. Bill Musgrave wants to be Sean McVay, I think, or he was trying to match wits with Andy Reid. Why? Just win the game. Just win the game. I'll add another winner. I didn't have Devontae Booker in my winners losers because I didn't want too many winners from this game. No, I understand. Because I know he wasn't there. As Ron Zapolo would say, the final score is not as close as the, as the game would indicate. I, I You never got the sense that the Broncos had a chance in this game. Even when they were down a touchdown, you never got that sense. But Tim Patrick is a winner for me. He only had one catch, but at the time, we thought it was huge since it was at the end of the first half and resulted in a touchdown. His 24-yard touchdown would serve as a confidence builder for the offense and the team, especially since Kansas City scored on the previous drive and got the ball to start the second half. A loss, the play didn't matter. But you still have to credit Patrick for making a nice catch. And that's basically all you can say nice about this football team, I think. Because as you mentioned with Devontae Booker and with Philip Lindsay, the Broncos offensive line is very good at run blocking. It is terrible at pass blocking. So that's why the Broncos offensive line is a loser to me. Oh, We've bad. come to expect crappy showings by this unit, but my God, even for Denver's offensive line, this showing was horrid. What makes it worse is that it came against a bad Chiefs defense. By my count, four of the team's 10 penalties were on the offensive line, and the Broncos allowed five sacks. Speaking of that, Case Keenum. For the amount of money Denver is paying him, until he plays a clean game, he will remain on this list. In every game, Keenum has started for the Broncos. That's now eight. He's thrown an interception in all of them. Think about that. Every single game, Case Keenum has played and started as the quarterback for the Denver Broncos. He has thrown an interception in every single one of them. And I'll finish with this. And while Denver allowed five sacks, not all of them were on the line. Keenum has the pocket awareness of a newborn kangaroo. That's Adam's line. I'm just using it. Neither has any idea where they are. They're blind to the world around them and completely vulnerable to anything that gets near them. 
Yeah, I was kind of proud of myself on that one. <laughs> uh, he's a bad quarterback. He is. He's a bad quarterback. And, and, you and know, I wish I wish I would have stuck with what I said when I initially heard that the Broncos were rumored to be going after Case Keenum. You know, it's interesting. And I didn't. I, I, it's not really something that you can revisit, but it is interesting that it never appeared like John Elway was was going to go after Kirk Cousins. And I'm not saying Kirk Cousins would be better for the Broncos or not. I don't know. Although he seems to be more successful in Minnesota right now than Case Keenum has been in Denver. But it was almost like he was resigned to the fact that he was never going to get this guy. So we went out and got, you know, the low-hanging fruit, the low-hanging fruit that was Case Keenum. And Case Keenum was a quarterback for a team that, I mean, they went all the way to the NFC Championship game on a fluke play, I think, you know, to sort of just be aware of that. But they wanted nothing to do with Case Keenum at the end of the season. They were more than happy to see him walk away. When he led them to the NFC Championship game, that should have been alarm bells going off all over the place. But Case Keenum has connections to Gary Kubiak. John Elway is, uh, you know, he values the opinion of Gary Kubiak. And so here we are eight for games some in. Reason. For, for whatever reason it is. So here we are eight games in. And the Denver Broncos are three and five. And they have a quarterback that, like you said, in every game forgets what color his jersey is. And the interceptions that he throws are not, they're not good interceptions. You know, I mean, sometimes you, you see a guy throw an interception and you go, well, that's not on him. That's a tipped pass that the receiver should have caught or you know that's a, a misread where the receiver should have gone left and he went right and that's on the receiver none of it is ever on the receiver none of it is ever about anybody but case keenum missing his throws that is a huge indictment on keenum as the quarterback and look he is what he has shown himself to be throughout his career he had one good season in minnesota he has completely regressed back to who he was when he played for the Rams. And I think that's the biggest indictment is what you referenced about how the Minnesota Vikings didn't care that Case Keenum wasn't coming back. They didn't even bother to go after him. Imagine that. They were like, meh, good luck. We're going to go sign, you know, Kirk Cousins to a mega deal. Another, really, another unknown quantity, if you think about it. Kirk Cousins wasn't exactly... Uh, I mean, he's he was the better of the two, I think. He was the better option. But nobody really knew if he was as good as people thought he was or, or what, and they still don't really know. But I would I would take Kirk Cousins over Case Keenum 100 out of 100 times right now and, and twice on Sunday. But here's the thing that also should tick fans off. John Elway said and has said that the Broncos are a quarterback away. He's been saying that since Peyton Manning retired. So what does he do? Drafts a first-round quarterback that he doesn't play, even though he was clearly the best quarterback as a rookie than anyone else on the roster at that point, but doesn't play him and ends up completely ruining him. That's not to say that he's not culpable for what happened in 2017 and then succinctly or subsequently in 2018. Paxton Lynch. Two years wasted on Trevor Simeon. Brock, brings back Brock Osweiler. Then signs 
Case Keenum doesn't even attempt, doesn't even attempt to move up in the draft because he got outplayed by the Jets. The Jets knew the move they needed to make, and they made it to get Sam Darnold. I mean, we are. And now the Broncos are yet again without a quarterback, which is ironic because the guy making this decision is one of the greatest, if not the greatest quarterbacks to ever play the game. And he can't find a quarterback. So I'm going to put forth a question. It's clear that John Elway will not be removed because Joe Ellis is not going to remove John Elway. He can't get a corporate name on his stadium at this point. He's not going to fire the face of the franchise the last 35 years to add to the PR nightmare. (laughs) That would be a nightmare. Should it be a requirement that if he wants to keep his job, he cannot have any say in who the quarterback is for the Denver Broncos? Because he clearly cannot make that determination. He's whiffed on every single opportunity since Peyton Manning retired. He should have known that Peyton Manning was at the end of his career and had somebody in place. Well, he did. It could have been Russell Wilson. He chose Brock Osweiler because he was roomies with his son. Well, but that's that's the point, right? That's the point. There seems to be some sort of there. He's got blinders on. Is that the way to look at it? John Elway has blinders. He cannot get out of his own way, and he keeps listening to the wrong people when it comes to quarterbacks. That's something else that needs to be done. Gary Kubiak needs to go away. He needs to go away. He's why Trevor Simeon played. He's why Trevor Simeon was the quarterback, was even drafted. And I have no doubt he's why Case Keenum is with the Denver Broncos. Right. Well, and those blinders also led him to uh, bringing in Chad Kelly, who, uh, let's face it, you and I for – a long time said he's never going to start for the Denver Broncos, and then we can't. We we got to the point where it was like, all right, well maybe he should start for the Broncos because of how bad Case Keenum is. But then he went out and took care of it on his own, and is now gone. And we didn't really get to talk about that particular episode because of my computer issues last week. Maybe we'll cover it next week. But this is sort of at least he was consistent. He was consistent. he was kicked off his high school team. He was kicked off a college team. So go for the trifecta and get kicked off an NFL team. You know, it's interesting. I wonder if he hold, if like he's in the Guinness Book of World Records now for the only player in NFL history to be kicked off of high school, college, and then pro team. That would be an interesting uh, stat to look up. Not sure. You know what, you know what an interesting stat is, especially for Chad Kelly? His one and only pass for the Denver Broncos was a trespass. Oh... <laughs> I was wondering. I have to. That goes to Vic Lombardi and Mark yeah. Mosier. Yeah, no, I didn't, didn't listen to the show, but I I saw that someone referenced it. That was just too good not to pass up. Yeah, some some jokes just shouldn't be told. Um. <laughs> well, the biggest hit of the week was Case Keenum, or uh, was Chad Kelly being hit by a vacuum tube? That's that was true. Still, the hit of the week. That's true. That is very very true. Uh, you know, just to kind of bring it sort of back to the game on Sunday against the Chiefs. You see flashes in this team. You see instances of, yeah, this team is good, this team has talent. But then you also get 
you get done with the game, and I mean, I look back on the game and I'm thinking about it. There was never a moment in that game where I thought they've got a chance here, right? Never a moment in the game where you thought they have a chance to win this game. And you, you said it earlier, and I, I think that's something that we're not used to as fans. Or we're maybe the worst part is we are becoming accustomed to it now as fans because after you know two and a half years of this sort of continued backslide. It's just business as usual on Sunday. They're going to go and they're going to lose to a team that really they could beat if they would just do things the right way. Do your job. Do your job. And I'm talking mostly about the coaching staff. There's a there's a loser that is typical for the Broncos. He's he's like the Philip Lindsay of the winners, only it's the losers, and that's Bradley Roby. Oh, yeah, he's there all the time. And then the last loser I had was the Broncos' defense, and it's all because of Kareem Hunt's 23-yard touchdown on fourth down. It epitomizes the season and team. It is downright embarrassing. And that's 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 how fans should feel about this about this game, about this season, about the last two seasons – about the state of this franchise, about everything right now. And I think it all ties back to something that we have talked about for a couple of months and that this is a headless horseman. And it's fitting that we've been using that analogy and it's close to Halloween because it is downright frightening. Oh yeah. And it's not going to get any better. It is not going to get any better. This team is a headless horseman. You know, you say that, and I agree with you, but it doesn't have to be. And I think we saw in week seven that there is leadership on this team in the form of some of the players. But they they come and go, right? Von Miller came out and, and made a statement before the Arizona game. And maybe that was the easy game to make a statement before because of how bad Arizona is. But he came out and made a statement, and they went out and they followed through. I didn't hear any statements going into the Kansas City game. I didn't hear anybody come out and say, look, this is a must win for us other than John Elway. And, and it seemed like it kind of got lost in the whole Halloween party yeah. and the There's, drug characters at the Halloween cowboy-themed party. <laughs> and then... So many distractions, right? Yeah. So many distractions and all the stuff going on with ownership and what's going on with the, the Bolin Trust and the family and, and what's going on with them. And, and you, you know the players see that, uh, and they try and block that kind of stuff out. But it's it's clear that it's going to affect the franchise in a, in a negative way, all of the things that are going on. And it's too bad that this is what is happening to the Denver Broncos because this is not what Pat Bolin would want. Pat Bolin would not accept this from his team in the slightest. People would be losing their jobs right now. And – Pat Bolin would have no no problem firing John Elway, but Pat Bolin isn't capable of doing that. And so it really seems to me like until this gets figured out, until the trust picks an owner, and I really don't care who it is, but until the trust picks an owner, until there is somebody who is in charge of the franchise, this is going to be what you get from the Broncos moving forward. Because John Elway is never going to be held accountable by Joe Ellis, just like you said. And, and so, Joe Ellis has no one to hold him accountable. Exactly. And so if no one at the top is being held accountable, 
and they don't hold anybody accountable underneath them, i.e. Vance Joseph and the coaching staff, what are the players worried about? And what do they do? They made an example out of Chad Kelly, a backup quarterback who was Mr. Irrelevant, last pick in the draft that really is, is very replaceable. They didn't send a message to anybody. They didn't, they didn't, we, we didn't get a chance to talk about this, but there was no uh, repercussion, right? There was nothing that came from that other than Chad Kelly had to go away. And that was it. There were so many things that happened last week when it came to that party and everything. No big deal. No big deal. Did anybody right. apologize? Did anybody? No, come they out made jokes say, about yeah, it. Yeah, anybody come out and say, "Hey, I shouldn't have," you know, "I shouldn't have dressed up." Like a like a a cokehead. No, they didn't. They didn't, and it shows in the way that this team has become a little bit of a laughing stock, in my opinion. Don't let don't let the big win in Arizona fool you. The team that lost in Kansas City. That's what this team is. That's what this Denver Broncos team is. And I will say this: there was somebody missing from that game who we only saw a little bit of. Von Miller. He got half a sack. But what exactly. else did he do? What else did he do? It's easy to step up and be a leader when you know the result. That's why I wanted Von Miller to do what he did before the Cardinals game, to do it before this Chiefs game. Yeah. Put the onus on yourself. Really put the onus on yourself in a must-win game, in a game that could determine your season and flip it around because you know you're going to step up. And you know you're going to be the difference maker. He didn't do that. He really didn't do anything on Sunday. He does what he typically does. Because think about it. Up until that Cardinals game, we had been wondering, where the heck is Von Miller? And uh, And then he has a great game against a bad team. And then he comes out on the road, a divisional opponent, and gets half a sack. Now, I don't know if that if that goes to the Chiefs and the scheme that Andy Reid runs or the tackles that they have with Eric Fisher and and Mitchell Schwartz, which they do Patrick have Patrick Mahomes. They do have very good tackles and Patrick Mahomes is slippery. Got to give him credit there. Here's another indictment though on John Elway. Mitchell Schwartz was a free agent. John Elway didn't even look at him. Who did he sign instead? The guy Mitchell Schwartz replaced in Kansas City, Donald Stevenson. I just made an icky face. Icky. I think everyone should have. <laughs> I think we all did. Yeah, if you were listening, you just went, oh, it makes my think stomach Think about that. Hurt. They could have thrown money at Mitchell Schwartz at right tackle, and that would have been problem solved at right tackle. And I've said this before, how John Elway can not only miss on quarterbacks, but miss on offensive line, knowing that for the first 14 years of his NFL career, he had no offensive line. And until Gary Zimmerman showed up from the Minnesota Vikings, did he have an offensive line? The fact that he thinks that he can continue to throw out this garbage and it's going to work with his garbage quarterbacks... I, 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 
I, I'm I don't know what I, to say I, I or to think at this point anymore. <laughs> we are we are definitely sitting here like I, what what do we say? What else is there? I do have a question for you, um, because we are talking about the offensive line and how poorly they played. I don't remember hearing any holding penalties on Garrett Bowles against the Chiefs. Did I did I just miss them, or did he play? I'm I'm not going to call it a clean game because I guarantee he gave up. You know, he gave up a hurry or a sack or, or or a few of those, but I don't remember them ever saying holding on number seventy-two. That's because the holding penalty that he did have resulted in a strip sack. Oh well, then it doesn't count. So even when Garrett holds makes an appearance, his holdings don't do anything. <laughs> He's so that shows totally you how awful Garrett holds really is as an offensive lineman. Because even when he tries to hold, he doesn't do it right. He's a bust. I I am I am done with Garrett Bolds. I am done with him. He and think about this. Ramzik was there to pick, and Elway and the Broncos chose chose Garrett Bolds. I I just they had their pick you, of the litter. There's a theme going on here. There is. There clearly is. And he's not going to be held accountable for any of it because people constantly say, oh, but he won a Super Bowl. He built that defense. He signed Peyton Manning, and he's John Elway. You can do both. You can credit him for what he did and recognize that and also say that he has no flipping idea what he's doing right now. Yeah, there's there's something missing. There is clearly something missing. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what he's got going on, but Pat Bolin's not there to hold him accountable. I, th- I to think hold his probably, feet under the fire yeah. and say, "You either get this fixed or you're out of a job." Because the Denver Broncos are on pace to have their first back-to-back losing seasons in 50 years. They are on pace to have their first back-to-back losing seasons in 50 years. There's really nothing else to say at this point. Where else? Where else do we go? I, I don't think there's anywhere else to go. I think we've said it all. I think we've 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 uh, we've hit on the indictment of the coaching staff, Vance Joseph on down. The indictment of the players who, uh, like Von Miller, have a tendency to disappear, even though they're supposed to be all-world players. Uh, they're the indictment of the the ownership situation the leadership situation, the GM, everybody, everybody on this team, everybody in this franchise needs to needs to be held accountable. Things need to change. And I think the most frustrating part about it is nothing's going to happen. You ask the question, has Vance Joseph been fired yet? The answer is no. Will he have been fired by tomorrow when we when we wake up on Monday morning? Probably no. not. And what are they waiting for? Maybe they're waiting for the bye week, I suppose. That's a possibility. But why? Maybe they're waiting to see if this can be turned around. For what? I don't know. But nothing is going to change. And that is the worst part. That's the part that makes you angry. And the thing that makes me even more angry is everyone knew this was going to happen. When John Elway decided that he was going to keep Vance Joseph as his head coach, everyone knew it was delaying the inevitable. 
everyone knew it. Yet he did it anyway. And how much longer will they delay the inevitable? That's 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 a scary question because we don't know. We don't even know. John Elway may say, you know what, we'll just ride it out for the rest of the season. What's the difference? And and really, that is a legitimate question. What's the difference? Let him coach the rest yeah, of the season. The Who cares? Deal? You're going to lose anyway. The only person that they've held accountable has been Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, and Chad Kelly. Those are the only guys that John Elway has held accountable the last three years. Wow, this has been fun. <laughs> but it, it, we also need to ask this question, and and because by the time we record our next podcast, the trade deadline will have already come and gone. Do the Broncos move Demarius Thomas? And I think it would be incredibly fitting for how underappreciated and undervalued he has been for basically his entire career with the Denver Broncos. He gets traded to the New England Patriots. And he absolutely tears it up in Foxborough with Tom Brady. I, I will tell you this. As a, as a fantasy football owner of Demarius Thomas, if they were going to trade him to the Patriots, there would be no doubt in my mind that he would be in my starting lineup every week. Because I think that he can be successful with a good quarterback throwing him the football. He was with Peyton Manning. He was, he was with Tim Tebow. He was successful with Tim Tebow throwing him the football. So he was successful with Trevor Simeon. Absolutely. I, I, look, I mean, he is, he is within, I, I, he came into the game needing 13 catches to pass Shannon Sharp for second all time on the Broncos receptions list. He didn't get that. He didn't get 13 catches, but he's already second in yards and touchdowns to Rod Smith. He is one of the greatest Broncos to ever put on a helmet. But because he has a few drops now and then, he gets this reputation. Sure. And it pisses me off. Yeah. Well, because now he's probably going to end up in the new within New England with Tom Brady and Bill Belichick and the guy who drafted him. And Josh McDaniels. And he's he's got a really good shot at another Super Bowl title. It's just that's just that, those are just facts. That, those should, are facts. And, that, and here's another question, and then we, we should talk about it now because by the time Tuesday rolls around, the trade deadline will be over. Do they not only trade Demarius Thomas, do they trade Emmanuel Sanders, do they trade Brandon Marshall, do they, do they just completely blow it up? And it won't happen because John Elway doesn't hold anyone accountable except for Trevor Simeon, Paxton Lynch, and Chad Kelly. But should they? Yes. Yeah, I'm done. Trade them all. Trade them all. What are they doing for you? If you're, if you, if you really want to turn this into a situation where, if, if you're going to admit that this is a rebuild, and I, I think that they have to admit that first, and I'm not sure that John Elway is willing to, but let's just face it, this is a rebuild. Then it makes the most sense to go out and get as many draft picks as you can, so that you can actually start to rebuild and. The, the part about that that makes it actually worthwhile is this. You have maybe one of the best rookie classes that John Elway has brought in in his entire tenure. Already in, in, already in Broncos uniforms. You've got Philip Lindsay and Royce Freeman. You've got 
Cortland Sutton and Deshaun Hamilton. You have the pieces that are there on the offense. You forgot you forgot the chub. I'm getting there. Dude, I'll get there. And you have on the defensive side of the ball. You know, I'm I'm doing both sides. I'm getting the sides. Offense and then defense. Because defense is, you know, defense wins championships. I don't know why. You just let Chubb hang in there. I did. Well, you know, Chubb was there. I didn't grab it right away. I was working my way to Chubb. You plopped it out there and expected it to perform. And and then it was going to perform, but you, you you know, a little, little, a little like too much excitement. But that's, I that need is to get true. the Chubb right away. I know. You, you, you don't know how to ease, ease into the Chubb, and that's okay. You have the pieces there to rebuild you they're there the only thing you're really missing is a quarterback and a head coach and a head coach and an offensive, and an coordinator. offensive coordinator and a defensive, and a defensive coordinator, coordinator. Yeah. <laughs> i mean they're, and an miss, owner missing a lot of things right you're missing a lot of things but but on maybe the, some middle linebackers yeah well mi- <sighs> a second cornerback there's, there's a lot going on there there's a lot going on there Let's, let's, offensive line. Let's talk about the positive. The positive. Offensive line. The positive. The positive is you have the start, right? You have the start of that. And so if you commit yourself to a two- or three-year rebuild and you say, we're going to trade away guys like Emmanuel Sanders and Demarius Thomas and Devontae Booker, who you could probably get a sack of potatoes for, and um, anybody on the offensive line that people would be willing to take, and Domita Pecco, who that hurts to say, uh, and Derek Wolf, who – has probably, you know, had his run and is is now on the backside of his career. And anybody, pick a guy, pick a veteran, somebody who's been with the team for a while who is a veteran and you want to trade them, except for somebody like Von Miller. I won't I don't think you trade Von Miller. I think people who say, Oh, you gotta trade Von Miller, that's dumb. You're dumb. What if it's for Andrew Luck? No. No, Andrew Luck's too much of an unknown. You know what you have with Von Miller. You don't do it. A guy who randomly just disappears and makes bold claims before games he knows he can win. A guy who won you a Super Bowl, a guy who is still one of the best defensive players in the NFL, a guy who, uh, along with Bradley Chubb, as a tandem, aren't they like the the leaders? They're the sack leaders together. They're the the, t- the two players with the highest sack totals in the NFL right now. I mean, I'm not, I'm not throwing Von Miller on the trade on the trading block. That's that's too that's too reactionary that's too knee jerk and you can build around von miller for the next few years von miller becomes your demarcus ware you know what i'm saying von miller becomes the guy who as you bring guys in they can latch on to him and his ability to work his understanding of the league his his knowledge of how to become a better football player and i think you bring a guy like demarcus ware into the fold right you go and you get some of those guys some of those pieces that they're not playing anymore, but they can impart that knowledge to these new players that can be uh, a way to rebuild, a way to be successful. So, yeah, I think after watching what happened against the Chiefs, everybody goes. And Case Keenum as well. Trade him. Done. Who would like Case Keenum? They can start Hogan for the rest of the year, for all I care. But Jordan Taylor play quarterback. Whoa, a little sunshine in your life. A little sunshine in your life. Broncos fans could use a little sunshine. There was a lot of sunshine in Kansas City during the game. It was very bright there. I don't, I, I don't remember the last time they played in Kansas City and it, and it was bright out. Well, I, I don't want to think about it because the Broncos have now lost seven straight games to the Chiefs. Seven in a row. Oh, 
this is a, this has been a rough stretch. But it's within only those, get rougher. That's true. But within those seven uh, seven games that we've lost to the Chiefs, we've won a Super Bowl, and and they have yet to win more than one playoff game. So, you know, you take the good with the bad. I, I'm holding out on my talk of the trash talk of the Chiefs because they have a franchise quarterback. Yes, they do. Things are going to change. The Chiefs knew they knew the guy they wanted, and they went and got him. And now we're going to have people slobbering over every, over him every single time the Broncos play them now. Patrick and think about this. Mahomes. He has eight wins as an NFL starter. Three of them have come against the Broncos. I don't like your stats. I don't like your stats, Ian. Well, remember how we felt with John Elway for 17 years going against the Chiefs while they didn't have anybody? They brought in Joe Montana. They had Elvis Gerback. They had Rich Gannon. They had Trent Green. They had all these guys. The journeyman quarterback, Steve DeBerg. It's flipped. Oh, yeah. What do you think Steve DeBerg's doing right now? He could play quarterback for the Broncos, couldn't he? Isn't he still a quarterback in the NFL? I'm sure he is. I mean, father time hasn't caught up with Steve DeBerg. Yeah, no, we are... We have traded places. It's not good. I don't enjoy and it. And it sucks. Yeah. It really does suck. It's no bueno. It's just not any good anymore. <sighs> oh, and now it's on to another team that has a quarterback that Ooh. the Broncos don't. You know, I, I'm not going to do it now, but when he when he was coming out in the draft, I actually was very high on Deshaun Watson. And people were like, oh, you know, he's, he's, he's a product of a system. Kid can ball. The kid's good. Wouldn't it be nice? Think if, about this. Wouldn't it Think be nice if Elway went and got a player like that? They traded Brock Osweiler to the Browns. They knew the mistake they made. The Texans. They knew the mistake they made that season. They gave him one season. It's it's not that they knew the mistake. It's that they admitted the mistake, and I think that's, that's the difference. It. And That's a huge difference. And if you can't admit your mistakes, then you're never going to get any better. And so, what, do the, what, what, do the, what do the Texans have that the Broncos don't? Ownership. An owner to say, admit, that, admit the mistake and move on. That's right. Sometimes you got to have somebody who just walks up and tells you, this is a mistake, it's time to move on. And the Broncos don't have that. And so they flounder. And so we flounder. Houston, we have a problem. Houston, we have a problem. You've been listening to Mile High Report Radio. Get involved in the discussion at milehighreport.com. And as always, go Broncos. Hello, I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation. And I want to tell you about my new show, It Seemed Smart. It Seemed Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seemed smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain. Or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission. Or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.